to be here tonight. Second Timothy chapter number three. I appreciate that great message from Brother Brian. I love him. And uh, those days were wonderful days. And the Greer Camp meeting is still going on. We're getting ready to celebrate the 74th annual meeting coming up in July. And we're excited about that. God's people have been meeting on that 12 acres of ground for 74 years. Now, we split 12 times, but we're still meeting there. And I appreciate Brother Brian. I remember that night so wonderfully well. It was one of those life-changing moments, and it was wonderful. Something much about that meeting I remember. That was a little seafood place down the road that had shrimp, all you can eat, for $12. We went down there that day and Brother Billy ate for four and a half hours. He ate 439 shrimp. We went back the next day and the sign said, offer no longer available. <laughs> Brother Billy ate them out of business. But I'm glad for the goodness of God and I appreciate it. I love you, Pastor. I thank you for letting me come again. I appreciate Pastor Rushy opening the doors of this beautiful facility. His dad welcomed me to Atlanta 37 years ago, and uh, I was just a kid, man, 22 years old. We had 19 in Sunday school, 35 for preaching, had four members in the choir and a piano player with a broke arm. And she played like she had a broke arm. And his dad and Dr. Wright, Dr. Hancock, those wonderful men, accepted me as a young preacher and poured their life into me. Uh, Pastor Rushing, you'll love this. I preached one of those Tomcat sermons the other day. I scratched everything that moved. Every, every now and then, you just need to clean off a spot and remind people what you believe and why you believe it and just scratch it out. But I got the feeling kind of bad. I preached real hard. And so on the way out, one of my head ushers was standing there and his name was Jimmy Watson. You probably remember him. And I said, Jimmy, I said, I preached too hard today, didn't I? He said, preacher, I growed up under James P. Rushing. You can't preach too hard for me. And I love people that love preaching, don't you? Glad to have Brother Mike Holcomb here tonight, my favorite bass singer. And I love that man. I'll tell you, I feel like I'm among friends. And I don't want to kill any time, but I got to say this if I can keep from crying. We didn't get to have the meeting last year because of COVID. I'm so tired of that. Lord have mercy. But in 2019, we had it. And then the night I preached, I looked over there and there sat Stenet Ballou. And I looked in the front and there sat Sammy Allen. Little did I know that would be the last time I would see those men on this side of eternity. And kind of up the road a while ago, I got to thinking, man, I can't hardly wait to get there. I'll get to see the pastor. I'll get to see Laddie. I'll get to see Danny and all my friends. I said, man, I'll get to see Stennett and, and Brother Sammy. And I thought about it. I won't get to see Brother Stennett and Brother Sammy because they're in the camp meeting in the sky. And aren't you glad they left us a legacy? And that's what I love about your pastor. He loves them old preachers. I called him one day. I said, Brother Ricky, will you be good to me when I get old? He said, I'm already good to you. Praise the Lord. 
2 Timothy chapter number three. Turn to somebody beside of you and say, hey, you look better with your mask on, praise God. 2 Timothy chapter three, verse number one. This know also that in the last days, perilous, dangerous, unprecedented times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. I don't know about you tonight, but that sounds like I just read the headline of today's newspaper. These days are not coming, they're already here. And these first four verses describe the depravity, the sin that'll be so prevalent in these perilous, dangerous times in which we live. He goes from the depravity, verse number five, to the deadness having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Man, it's one thing when you see the signs of the times fulfilled in the political realm or the social realm, but when you see it in the religious realm, these are days of deadness. It has the form of right. It has the form of godliness, but there's no Holy Ghost on it. There's no unction on it. May we be reminded tonight that all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Days of depravity, days of, of deadness. Come down, if you will, to verse number 12. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Days of difficulty. If you're going to live for God in this society we live in, you're going to face some difficulty. If you're going to stand against the, uh, the norm of the day, the winds of convenience, you're going to have some difficulty. Can I remind the church tonight, this world is not our home. We're like square pegs in a round hole. We just don't fit. They're not singing our song. They're not preaching our book. They're not praising our Savior. We don't think like them. We don't dress like them. We don't act like them. We're different from them. Brother, these are days when you'll be made fun of if you're gonna live for God. But I still wanna go on record tonight. I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. Days of depravity, days of deadness, days of difficulty. Go down, if you will, to verse number 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving. Listen to this tonight. Deceiving and being deceived. Days of deception. We're living in days when it looks like this world has lost their ever-loving mind. Days of deception. Where they'll take the evil and call that good and take the good and and call that evil. You know you're in a messed up society when people don't even know what bathroom to use. I told the men at our church, if I catch you in that ladies' restroom, we're gonna need some more handicapped bathrooms at our place. 
days of deception. Brother, we're living in a day where the devil's pulled the wool over this world's eyes. Can I run one rabbit if I hurry? I'm appalled at the silence of our pulpits of a man of God having it up to here and just getting up and preaching against the political system of our society. I've been embarrassed to be from Georgia the way our election went. And all those churches that backed up all them liberal baby-killing politicians, shame on them. My name is Joe Arthur and I just approved this message. These are days of deception. I'm going somewhere. Days of difficulty. They, days of deadness. They, days of depravity. But verse 14 is my text tonight. What do we ought to do in the midst of all of that? Well, I can tell you this. It's not quitting time. It's not intimidating time. It's not backing off or cooling off time. Notice what he said in verse number 14 tonight. But... Here it is, said with me, continue. But continue. The message for the church tonight is continue. It is not back down. It is not shut up. It is not be quiet, but continue. But continue thou the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. It's not what we don't know that's going to get us through. It's what we do know that's going to get us through. It's not what we're not assured of that's going to get us through. It's what we are assured of. And I'm glad the church tonight is not singing pitiful, pitiful doubt. We're singing blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And I want to continue where Brother Brian left off. I want to preach on the advice of an old man to a young man. Here Paul, the old preacher, is talking to Timothy, the young preacher. And he said, son, you're going to face days of depravity. You're going to face days of deadness. You're going to face days of difficulty. You're going to face days of deception. You're going to see perilous, unprecedented, dangerous, evil times in your life. But some, the message is press on. The message is continue. The message is keep on a going when the going gets rough. The message is no regrets and no retreats. The message is we will not bow. We will not bend. And praise God, we will not burn. Because compromise tonight is not an option. Quitting tonight is not an option. Throwing in the towel tonight is not the option. But it's onward Christian soldiers marching us to war with the cross of Jesus going on before because we are not alone tonight. We are not abandoned tonight. We have someone with us and Jesus is his name. And in the midst of days of great sin and apostasy, Continue, continue, just keep on going when the going gets rough. And he takes these four chapters 
And he gives this young man four wonderful truths that will help him continue in the midst of difficulty. Go back to chapter, 12, chapter 1 and verse number 12. This will help you continue. Our salvation is permanent. He said in verse number 12, for the which cause, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know. He didn't say, for I think, for I hope, for I reckon, for I know. What do you know, preacher Paul? For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded, thoroughly convinced, altogether convinced. I cannot be moored away from my anchor. I cannot be removed from my stand. I am thoroughly convinced, I am persuaded that he, the one I believed upon, is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You say, how are we gonna make it through? We're gonna realize tonight our salvation is permanent. For the last 12 months, we've been going through something in this country like we've never gone through before. COVID-19. I don't remember COVID-18 and I hope I don't see COVID-20 and 21. We're using terms I've never heard of. I had never heard of Corona. Now some of you have, but it wasn't a bad cold. I never heard of social distancing. I knew I didn't want to be around my wife's mother, but I didn't know what to call it. Brother, we are living in a society where it looks like we'll never go back to normal. This coronavirus and the COVID has affected every area of our society. It's affected our politics. It's affected our economical standing. It's even affected the doors of the church being open. But I've come to tell you tonight, there is one place in your life and in mine where COVID 18, 19, or 20 has not and will not affect and that is our salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We were saved before COVID. We're saved during COVID. And on the other side, we'll still be saved. We'll still be forgiven. We'll still be in the family of God because our salvation is permanent tonight. You know what makes this salvation so wonderful? It is a no-so salvation. You know what makes this salvation so wonderful? It is a personal salvation. I know, I know. You know what makes this salvation so wonderful? It is an eternal salvation. 
I will never be lost again. I will never be depraved again. I will never be alienated again. I will never be on my way to hell again. I place my faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've sided with God against myself. I committed, I placed at his disposal my eternal salvation and through the storm, through the trouble, through the wind, through the adversity, we're saved, we're still saved, always will be saved and will never be unsaved. In the midst of perilous times, our salvation is permanent. They say that little phrase committed unto him was an accountant's term or a baker's term. Brother Ricky, I got a surprise the other day that I didn't even know. My children are 31 and 33. I did not know that they did not write checks. It blew me away that there is a society that don't write checks. How do you buy your groceries? How do you pay your bills? You don't write checks. Why, growing up, if I saw something I wanted, I'd say, Mama, I want that. And she would say, I don't have any money. And my favorite comeback was, uh, write a check. (laughs) But we're living in days where, I'm telling you, if y'all don't learn to write checks, you're gonna starve to death. But every Friday, we'll go to the bank and we'll sign that check and we'll go through the bulletproof glass now. Whoever thought we'd wear a mask going to the bank? You slide that check and you deposit that check. You deposit that check into the security of that banking system. And from the very moment that check leaves your fingers, it is absolutely impossible for you to lose that check. You may fall down in the parking lot. You may stump your toe on the car door. You may slam your finger in the door. You may have a wreck on the way home. You may fall into the house, but you cannot lose that check because it's in the security, it's in the deposit, it's in the safekeeping of another. You can't lose what you're not keeping. Aren't you glad? the same grace of God that found us and saved us is keeping us. You may fall, you may fail, you may make mistakes, but it's totally, absolutely impossible for you to ever be lost again and on your way to hell because you have placed into the safety deposit box of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, and I'm glad he is able to keep us that which I've committed unto him against that day what day is that where you go down and you put your money in the account because one day you're going to need to draw from it I'd only been married a couple of weeks and I discovered something about that checking account You can't get nothing out of there unless there's something in there to get something out of there. I thought mama was just writing the checks. 
but she was drawing off of what she had deposited. What do you mean against that day? What day is coming? Hallelujah. When we're going to need to draw on what we deposited. Boy, they sang about it a while ago one day. I'll stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'd say, Lord, I sure would love to go in that place where you have prepared call heaven. And God would say, why should a holy God like me let an unworthy sinner like you into this wonderful place called heaven? And I'll say, Lord, check my deposit book. Check the record. And he'll say, I got it. Here it is. That Thursday night, 1979, about 9.35, in Reedsville, North Carolina, you said yes to my son. I've got it right here. I've been keeping it. You can go in. Not because you're a Baptist, not because you're an American, not because you're a good daddy, but because you committed unto me and trust me and took me, the lightning may flash and the thunder may roll and the wind may blow but our salvation is permanent and that'll keep you going when the going gets rough. How we're going to make it in perilous times our salvation is permanent. Come to chapter number two if you will in verse number one. Our strength is powerful that old man says to that young preacher, you're going to face dangerous, perilous, unprecedented times, but you keep on going. And here's how you're going to be able to do it. Look in chapter 2, verse number 1, Thou, therefore, my son, here's the message tonight, said with me, be strong, be strong, be strong. Aren't you glad the message for the church tonight is not weak, but it's be strong. It's not give up, but it's be strong. It's not anemic, but it's be strong. And I first read that first part of that verse. I thought, Lord, you realize what Paul's going to tell him in the next chapter? He's going to tell that young man he'll see sin on display. He'll see a time of apostasy. He'll see perilous, dangerous, unprecedented evil. How in the world can that young man be strong in an environment like that. And the Holy Ghost said, read the rest of it. Now, therefore, my son, here it is. Be strong, here it is, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad in this world of sin, in this world of apostasy, God's grace is not just enough. His grace is more than enough. That old preacher tells that young preacher, he said, son, the grace of God will not fail you. The grace of God will not desert you. You cannot deplete this vast resource of grace. And can I tell you how the church is still on business tonight? You know why the church is still on the stage of time tonight? You know why we still have our shout and still have our song? It's because of the good grace of God it has not failed us. It has not abandoned us. We're going to make it tonight through the power of God's amazing grace. And who better to talk to that young man 
How about the grace of God than this old preacher by the name of Paul? One of those hyper-Calvinist dudes said to me one time, he said, you need to see the grace of God. I said, I already have. He said, well, when did you see the grace of God? When I read what Paul said, he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Can I just clean me off a little piece of real estate right here? If your vision or definition of grace is that God will save this one, but he won't save that one, and he died for that one, but he didn't die for that one, you've got an obscure and messed up vision of the grace of God. Let me tell you what grace is. He died for you, and he died for me, and he tasted death for every man. I was a sinner. Oh, my, went to hell. My back was just about broke and into the pit, but hallelujah, when justice called, mercy answered, and he looked, whoo, and he looked beyond my fault, and he saw my need, and he reached further down than I could reach up. I didn't buy it, I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it, but I cast in on God's saving grace. I feel better since I got that out of my system. Can I run one more rabbit? Who do you think you are? Somebody elite and special that God would show you more than he would show anybody else? Come here just a minute. Is what I think about that. Who knows more about the grace of God than Paul? He's the one that said, for by grace are you saved, hallelujah, through faith. It's Paul that said, I am what I am by the grace of God. It was Paul that said, all grace would always abound that we might have all sufficiency in all things. Who was it that prayed not once not twice, but three times for God to remove that thorn. And on that third time, God said, I'm not going to remove that thorn. I need to leave it there because I'm going to accomplish my divine, my divine purpose in your life because of that thorn. But Paul, I'll tell you what I will do. I will give you grace. And my grace is sufficient for thee. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You know what that means in the Greek? Paul, when you're at your worst, I'm at my best. You know what that means, Paul? When you can't, I will. Paul, you know what that means? When you're weak in yourself, you're strong in me. Can I say this tonight? God's grace is still real. God's grace is still abundant. God's grace is still available. It's grace that found us. It's grace that saved us. It's grace that kept us. It's saving grace. It's sustaining grace. It's securing grace. It's separating grace. It's sweet grace. It's supernatural grace. It's shown enough grace. The grace of God will not fail. The grace of God will not be depleted. We're going to make it through this world of sin.
and in sorrow because of the grace of God. Our strength is powerful tonight. Our strength is not in our abilities, our intellect, our talents, our personalities. Our strength is in the grace of God. I love the old hymns of the faith. We'll still sing them at our church. And we will always sing them at our church. I like that a lot better than I do 7-Eleven. Seven words and repeated 11 times. As the deer, as the deer. Somebody shoot the deer and let's get to Jesus. Enough of that's enough. Vain repetition. I heard that phrase one time. I love that amazing grace. And the older I get and the more stuff that I go through, the more I love verse number three. Through many dangers, toils and snares have already come. I wonder if there's anybody in this church house tonight. You've already come through the dangers, toils, and snares. Man, there are a lot of young people in this room tonight, and that thrills me. But there are a lot of old goats in this room like me tonight who can tell you we've been through the flood We've been through the fire. We've been through the church split. We've been through the financial disaster. We've been through the disappointment of a child. We've been through the valley of the shadow of death. We've been through the hospital. We've been through the floods. But you can raise your hand tonight as a seasoned saint of God and say, through, bless God, that means you went in one end and came out the other. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I've already come. Here it is. And it's grace that's brought us safe thus far. And grace will lead us home. God's grace is enough. It's more than enough. And aren't you glad in perilous, dangerous, unprecedented times, we're going to make it because God's grace will see us through. Our strength is powerful. Because it's in the grace of God. Hurdly, come to chapter 3, verse 15 and verse 16. How we're going to continue? How we're going to make it? The scriptures are profitable. How you going to get through, son? Here's how you're going to do it. Continue. Continue in what? What you've learned, what you know. He identifies it in verse 15. That from a child. Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. And what did knowing the Holy Scriptures do for this boy as a child? Look at it. It made him wise unto salvation through faith that is in Jesus Christ. Someone said, Brother Joe, how are we going to make him these days of political unrest and, and the pandemic and apostasy? You're holding it in your hand. This is God's holy scriptures. This 
is God's infallible, inspired, impeccable, indispensable. I'm on a roll right there. Aren't you glad this book right here is God's revealed and God's inspired and God's anointed and God's preserved and God's eternal word. The word of God will bring us through. The word of God will get us through. The holy scriptures is enough to keep us going when the going gets rough. I love what he tells Timothy, that from a child. This pandemic, I believe one of the things that it hindered so greatly was our youth programs and our Sunday school and here you go, and our bus ministries. You say, I don't believe in all that. Well, he does. And you're on his nickel, so shout. Some of the fondest memories of my childhood is growing up in that little Sunday school class. I don't remember hardly any of my school teachers or college professors, but I can name every one of my Sunday school teachers. I got a little series I called, You Know Your Old If. If you remember a payphone, you're old. If you remember a long play album, you're old. If you remember an eight-track tape, if you remember a cassette, and it's not going to be long if you remember a CD. Ralph Sexton's grandson came up the other day and said, look, Paul, Paul, he had a big album. He said, look, Paul, Paul, I found the giant CD. You know yo. If you remember methylene and mercurochrome, whoo, that's child abuse. Here's one. If you remember when women cooked, that dude ain't shouted all week. He loved that. You're old. If you remember a phone book, if you remember when little boys played with G.I. Joes and girls played with Barbies, you're old. Here's one. If you remember flannel graph, you're old. Before PowerPoint, before overhead projectors, flannel graph. You say, oh, Dr. Arthur, what was flannel graph? Well, it was these pictures, man, that had some graph on the back and they stuck it to flannel. Therefore, the etymology of the word is flannel graph. I read that in a book he wrote. It's got to be true. But how many remember that Sunday school class with that flannel graph? My teacher, her name was Mrs. Wilson, Ronald Crappets, North Carolina. She was 80-something when I had her 50 years ago. And I don't know whose school she went to. I don't know what book she read, but she was the best at getting to Jesus I've ever seen. She'd put them little pictures up there maybe of David with that sling in his hand. Maybe one with old Joshua with that sword drawn, talking to that angel. The one with the little boy with that basket, little fishes jumping out of it. The, maybe the one with Moses standing there with that rod over the Red Sea. 
That one with David standing there combing that lion's mane. Boy, that one that used to get me was the one where Jesus was standing at that door and knocking, saying, if you hear his voice, and I hear him now, say, honey, he's a knocking. And when you hear it, open the door. You say, what good does that do? I'm this little Sunday school teacher wasting my time. Them little knotheads are not even listening. What good does that do? I'm glad you asked. They may get with the wrong crowd and they make, make some bad decisions and they may go a different path and they'll get hooked on drugs and alcohol and premarital sex and it looks like their lives are ruined and they're sitting on the side of the bed with a pistol about ready to blow their brains out and the Holy Ghost a mass recall and they'll see the God that defeats the lions and shout down the walls and defeats giants and separates oceans and it'll hit them oh dear God if he can defeat a giant and separate an ocean and walk on what he can get me out of this mess I'm in He can deliver me from the change and the addictions of my sin. Keep pouring it in them. Keep pouring it in them. The word of God will make them wise unto salvation. This book is enough to get us through perilous, dangerous, unprecedented times. In the throes of World War II, Mrs. Jones penned down these words in times like these. In times like these, she said, we need the Bible. In times like these, be not idle. Be sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips a solid rock. I grew up in an old-fashioned, fundamental, Baptist Bible-believing, living right, Christian home. Let me clear me off a piece of real estate. I ain't a recovering fundamentalist. The only thing I got to recover from is my own stupidity. And they're watching tonight. They're watching. They're trolling the internet because they ain't gotten a word to preach. And so they're following all these meetings and they're just waiting on Brother Joe or Brother Ricky or Dr. Cooper to say something. Well, you just got it, baby. You just said it. And I mean to tell you, my daddy was an old-fashioned King James independent Baptist preacher and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm proud of that. My God, I'm glad he wasn't a drunk. I'm glad he wasn't an old sinner. And my little old mama, she's watching too. She was an old fashioned shouting mama and she still shouts and she's I'm not ashamed I am not trying to associate myself. I am not trying to reinvent fundamentalism I'm not trying to break off from my reason. I'm asking God for a double dose of old fashioned high octane Holy Ghost blood washed Mount Calvary shouting salvation I'm not ashamed. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. I love it. Woo! I would only tell this among friends, and I believe I'm among friends. If 
Thank all three of you for being here tonight. <laughs> My daddy was Baptist, but the dry kind. Was saved, but didn't know how to express it. Well, my mama, oh boy, am I among friends, was Church of God, full-fledged, all gifts included. <laughs> and mama was saved. She didn't know for how long, but she enjoyed what she had. My mama has been a Baptist for 70 years and she, mm, she'll, mm, she'll, still, mm, she'll still do that. On, woo, mm. She can't help it. But I've never seen her smoke. I've never seen her in an ill-clad outfit. Never heard her cuss much. I'm not ashamed of that. Well, daddy and mama got married and my mama got to believing like my daddy. But then my daddy got to acting like my mama. And I got the best of both worlds. I believe like a Baptist and enjoy like a holy roller, amen. Hey, if you want to swap insults, holy roller ain't that bad because if you're saved, you ought to be holy and if you're rolling, you're going somewhere and rather be called holy roller than prune face. Well, glory. Some of the fondest memories of my childhood, our church was musically challenged. So a lot of times there wasn't nobody there to sing. I didn't say sing. Sang. Daddy'd say to my mama, Come on, Ma, let's spend you sing one. And it'd be one of three. Number one, it'd either be that, Well, every hour and every day and every moment and every way. I'm leaning on Jesus. The rock of my, my mama could just say rock. I mean, it was awesome. Or it'd be that Jimmy Davis number. Come home, come home. It's supper time. For you Yankees, we would sing it. Come home, come home. It's dinner time. Shut up, it ain't that funny. Or it would be Mrs. Jones's song in times like these. I can see my little mama. In times like these, we need the Bible. Yes, we do. In times like these, oh, be not idle. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds, hallelujah, that's what she did, <laughs> and grips the solid rock, and they'd sing together, this rock is Jesus, 
Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus. The only one. And then Mama turned that thing around. I'm very sure. I'm very sure. I can sure hold that little old Red Schofield Bible up and say, My anchor holds. And aren't you glad in the midst of lightning and thunder and perilous, unprecedented times, the Word of God is our anchor. It's within the veil, it still holds. Hey, it steadies the ship. Aren't you glad tonight? The scriptures are profitable. The Word of God is enough to see us through. Woo! I just got a blast from my past. I remember Daddy was off one time in a revival. About Wednesday, the town drunk showed up in our little old trailer where we lived behind that little cracker box church. Knocked on the door and I opened the door and I said, Hey, Roy, uh, what can we do for you? He said, I'm going to hell. I need to talk to your daddy. Well, I didn't know God at that time. I said, Roy, you out of luck, buddy. I didn't know what to say. I said, Roy, you out of luck. Daddy's gone. He's gone preaching. He won't be back early Saturday. He said, I'm going to go to hell. I said, you leave have to go away till he gets back because I don't know what to do. <laughs> and here come that little voice from the kitchen. Roy, honey, Roy, honey, you ain't got to go to hell, baby. I can tell you anything JB can tell you. And she took that 179X Red Schofield Bible, walked him down the Romans Road and the Ephesians Road and the John Road because all roads lead to Calvary anyhow. And buddy, the town drunk, mama led him to Jesus. Aren't she glad tonight? This book that I hold in my hand, it is more than enough. We gonna make it. We gonna make it. The scriptures are profitable. Because verse 16 said they're given by inspiration. Our salvation is permanent. Our strength is powerful. The scriptures are profitable. Man, I didn't realize it's 925. It's only 825 in Alabama. 725 in Colorado. And they ain't even woke up from being drunk where he's from in California. <laughs> Chapter number four, verse six, verse seven, verse eight. The Savior soon return is promise. Notice what he says in verse six. I'm now ready to be offered. He speaks like a sacrifice. The time of my departure is at hand. He speaks like a sailor. I have fought a good fight. He speaks like a soldier. I've finished my course. He speaks like a sprinter. I've kept the faith. He speaks like a steward. Well, glory. Andrew Telford, page 109. And because of that in verse seven, look what he's got in verse eight. Henceforth, there is, whoo, laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Boy, I'd like for the Supreme Court and Obama, Osama, and your mama get a hold of this one. Whom the Lord, the righteous judge, 
Warnock, Warlock, Adams, and that whole outfit. Who the Lord, the righteous judge. Can I remind you, he's not the unjust judge. He is the just, righteous, sovereign judge of heaven whom the Lord, the righteous judge, verse eight, shall give me up that day and not to me only, but to them also that do what? Love his appearing. You know how we're gonna make it. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And he's gonna take us out of this world of sin and And I'm glad we're going to a country where heaven is gonna fix it all. I love the word epiphany here. It means to be manifested in true form and true glory. Oh, we glimpsed him in the Old Testament and we glimpsed him as the Lamb of God. And boy, we've got a glimpse of him in salvation and through the spirit-filled life. But one day the, one day the glimpse, it's, I feel like preaching. I've got some liberty here, boy. And But one day this glimpse is gonna turn into a gaze and we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Jesus is still coming. The king is still coming. The Lord is still coming. You ain't seen nothing yet. Don't give up now. Don't turn back now. Don't throw in the towel now. Press on, children. Preach on, man of God. Keep serving. Keep looking. Keep longing. Keep living. Jesus is coming again. Well, glory. The other day I was on an airplane and got my Bible out. Let me tell you how to get a whole section to yourself in public. Pull your Bible out. They'll think you got corona. Boy, that was an educated lady sitting down next to me. And the reason why I know she was educated because she wore her glasses on the end of her nose where it paints this part right here. And she spoke like that and she looked over them and said, she said, oh my, is that a Bible? I said, what? She said, is, is that a Bible? I said, it's a Bible. She said, oh my God. I said, yeah, he's all in there. She said, you don't believe that, do you? I said, yes, ma'am. Every single word of it. But I don't believe any of it. I said, well, I believe all of it. Well, I thought I'd break out my education. So I got out of my glasses. <laughs> and I said, dear damsel, may I propose to you a question? What? Do you know how to fly a 747? She said, do what? Say that again. And educated people don't say again. They say, say that again. I said, okay, I'll say that again. Do you know how to fly a 747? She said, what's that got to do with it? I said, well, I was talking to that pilot a while ago. He's a born-again Christian. He lives in Peachtree City, Georgia, right down the road from the airport. So, I said, well, I just want to tell you, when we get to 33,000 feet and the rapture takes place, y'all have fun, sister. Aren't you glad the best is yet to come? I have been justified. I'm being sanctified. And one day I shall be glorified. Preach on, man of God. Press on, weary pilgrim. Keep preaching. Keep living. Keep shouting. Continue. 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 Jesus is coming again. 
in the midst of perilous times. Continue. God's on the throne. The Bible is still true. The blood has not lost its power. And the king is still coming.